Hey gang, welcome back to another episode of Let's Level Up. My name is Rick, your host, the captain of this sinking ship. Uh, but we, you know what? We're not treading water as bad as we were, uh, let's say, a year ago when the podcast was off the air. And it is... Um, Geez, when is this episode going to air? It'll be the 19th of October when you're listening to this. Actually, my wife and I's uh, 11-year wedding anniversary. Um, I know, I know. Uh, it's October, though, and October is a month uh, known for nasty, ghoulish things. It is our favorite holiday. Halloween is my family's favorite holiday. And um, horror is a big, big part of my life. And uh, one of my favorite mediums, I think, in, in, in film and television, for sure. Um, so we wanted to do something that we haven't ever done, and that's bring back somebody we talked to before. So with me is my good friend, Mr. Doc, Joe Sweeney, from Story Weaver Games. Say hi, Joe. Good day. How you doing? Yeah, I should say good day. I don't, I don't say good day enough. Good day, mate. <laughs> So if you guys don't remember, or if you haven't had a chance to go back, you should listen to our first talk. Um, gosh, it was over three years ago, I believe, uh, when we talked early on. And um, what was it? What was it that you guys were working on at that time? Deniable. High Space? Oh, Deniable. That's High right. Space yeah, yeah. And Deniable. Yeah. A few, a few products. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love we, we still play Deniable quite a bit in Rapture as much as we oh, can. Um, unfortunately, I don't really have the sci-fi crew uh or locally so far to find people to really want to play high space but uh that that rules engine is is so cool Mm. uh so what's up how's it going uh it's i I need more hours in the day always (laughs) (laughs) um we we're, we're actually um launching or we're in the process of getting ready for kickstarter um uh a a game called slaughter which is the the uh, bastard love child of Rapture. Now, if you remember Rapture, Rapture is that really hard sci-fi, heavy world building, and oh boy, have I got some stuff to talk about that too. But oh, but great! What we wanted to do is we wanted to make a game that was much more tropey than than Rapture. Rapture was sort of very cerebral. We wanted to make a game that was, you know, just for the love of horror movies. And um, so we took the we initially took the Rapture rule engine and tried to make it even faster. And after quite a bit of work, we, we streamlined it, streamlined it, and then turned it all into cards. Because what we realized is that when you're playing a game that that's fast, you, you just want everything to be, you know, super quick. So we, t- we tested that, found that traditional gamers who aren't necessarily role players simply loved it. It's that lovely mix. And um, then we said, great, we'll publish that. That was about a year and a half ago. <laughs> And then we got sidetracked <laughs> and just, it's that me back on the well uh high space was a bigger success than we expected so we had to put a lot more energy into that um nice problem to have and it, uh yes yes it, <laughs> it is but it's also a matter of setting expectations you know game design has got to be fun for us too oh, that's so anyway true. uh yeah. slaughter is S- slaughter is um is back on the cards uh in fact i just sent uh about two three days ago i just sent um the cards off for a print test so it's about 380 odd cards that will be coming back my way uh, those are the all the new graphics um about six months ago we stopped with the way that we were presenting the cards which were more cartoony and small and we said no we need them big poker size cards and we need them to look like movie posters so yeah it's been a, it's been an incredible six months of artwork just head down bum up just 
powering away. I, I love seeing your uh, your updates on Instagram and, and Facebook and on the on the Story Weaver Games pages. Um, a lot of those uh, movie posters are so cool looking, uh, and and just the thought of being able to play those cards um, and and the stories that are going to come from those little pieces of cardboard is going to be awesome. Well, that yeah. So, so basically, what we did is we, and, and they are awesome. I've had some of the best horror movie moments. Now, I'll have to, I'll have to stress something here on, on horror movies. The horror movies that we're trying to simulate are the ones which basically are the ones that stimulate your sense of humor. They're the peekaboo sort of horror movies. They're the jump scare. So it's the Friday the Thirteenth. It's the Nightmare on Elm Street. It's the uh, you know Invaders from Mars sort of stuff. You know, it's that. It's that really schlocky horror. We're not able to, and we don't want to, try and simulate more of the, um, you know, human centipede type stuff. Yeah, you, you yeah, could yeah. try it, but we've we've not used those tropes. So we've gone for the tropes that we'll have a group of three to five friends having fun with it, rather than genuinely creeping us all out. Which <laughs> <laughs> during the playtest we did once or twice, and we said, no, not going there. <laughs> Yeah, that's good. I think that's probably universally more acceptable. I can I can watch I have watched Human Centipede the first sequence and I think most of the second sequence and then part like 10 minutes of third sequence or the final sequence and I just I just couldn't anymore. It just um it, it seemed excessive to the point of just to be excessive and no real story and, and, and involved. That, and that is yeah, there's a really interesting... So we also did a lot of research. As you know, I'm heavily into cognitive sciences and education and all that sort of stuff. It's like you're so a doctor. Lot... Hmm? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, well, that's, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's my doc. <laughs> but but what we, were, what we uh, found through the research there uh, and why we really tried to go down for a specific set of tropes in this game um, is that horror or fear... Um, there's two ways of looking at fear, of what we consider fear in... in, in at least in the Western world. One way is it's that sort of slocky peekaboo and you laugh. When, when, the, when the monster jumps out of the cupboard, you laugh because it's absurd. And your brain is going, something scary is happening. This is a threat. But your brain is also at the same time going, because it's operating the frontal cortex, it's going, yeah, but you're absolutely safe and this is all pretend. Right. It is exact. I, I use that term peekaboo because it's exactly why babies laugh and you close your face and go, boom, peekaboo at them. The other type of fear is the one which uh, hits uh, much lower down in the brain, and it, it's it's that fight or flight. And what we've discovered um, in role playing prior to slaughter, but in, in, in other sessions, but also through research now, is that if you activate that, if you really genuinely creep people out, if you activate that deep seated fear, that that element there, people can't actually engage in the story anymore. They can't be creative because their brain at that level is just going i want to get the hell out of here that makes and sense it, and, and it stops the storytelling so this wasn't just a matter of me having a preference for one movie or another it's actually the only way you can have a game is if you keep everyone in the game and um that really hit home to me when i was playing uh was actually rapture uh, i was running a game of rapture and there was a scene uh, i do a lot of research for my games and there was a scene there where um the the uh, players are having to conduct a, an autopsy on a child who'd been munched up horribly. And so I'm describing, um, not in graphic detail, but in, you know, in, in realistic detail, um, what they're finding in the autopsy. And one of the guys goes plain, absolutely white. 
And I look at him and go, you okay? And it goes, yeah, I know what you're talking about. I can't play this anymore. And you know, he was oh, a med wow. student. And, huh. and what had happened is I'd activated that because it was a child and because of that it was an emotional thing and all this, all the other parts of it, it became too real. And literally a lower part of his brain kicked in and he just couldn't play. Uh, you know, so we had to stop the game. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, that's inc- that's an incredible story. I- I've never really thought yeah. about. I I would never really think about playing Rapture with like you would do, right? Because you you go and you play this at conventions. You go and play it at hobby shops. Mm. You, you you invite strangers mm. to play any chance you can get. So, the the group that I always play Rapture with. We've known each other for over a decade, right? We know mm. what we like. We know what's too far, and we know what we go and what. Well, we this guy's a guy. This guy was an old friend of mine as well. Oh no! <laughs> and it still activated him. Oh man! Yeah, he doesn't talk to me anymore. <laughs> no, that's not true. <laughs> oh, I just took a water and almost spit it all over my monitor right there. Oh man! Yeah, so you know, there's always this balance. You know, when you, when you're dealing with horror, I I think that. There's got to be a balance, and I, and I get why people like that visceral scare that some you know movies like Saw and others have. I'm not personally into that, but I get why they want that rush. It is a it is a fear, a genuine deep fear rush, and it's highly addictive. Doesn't work well in a game. Uh, it doesn't work well, sorry, for a, a role playing game because you want to keep people engaged in. So what that means is that you're activate you're actually activating the humor sense of the brain. Um, you know the punchline, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, and and the cards were designed that way very very explicitly, and, and quite frankly, whenever I run Rapture, I try and run to that that mode more cinema than than slasher. <laughs> right. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. And I've I've seen a little bit of Slaughter being play tested. Um, I think you posted a, a really good 360 video. Um, I don't know if you were at a game shop or what over over on. Yeah, your, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I've got that one. <laughs> it, it looks like you're putting together a dice pool, right, to do certain actions. Yeah. Your role. So much like Rapture. Yeah. So um, I guess for those people who don't know Rapture and don't know the mechanics, can you describe that in a little more detail for us? Sure. So the idea, first of all, in in both of these games, and, and they are very, very similar in, in, in concept, we're trying to aim for not a simulationist, result we're trying to aim for a cinematic result what i mean by that is you don't go into a scene to this game thinking the zombie mutant thing from outer space is going to bite me so i'm going to punch it you go holy hell the, the zombie is is coming down the hallway i need to fight it and i'm going to fight it by picking up this fire axe which just happens to be leaning on the wall in the hallway now what the player is doing is they're engaging with the story by adding to the story. Um, when the when you build the dice pool, you then say, okay, what has my character got cinematically? Well, they were a ex-fireman. <laughs> so he can use the fire axe better. So yeah, we'll give you a dice for that. And then you say, and um, uh, they've just seen their, their girlfriend be, you know, munched by this thing. So they, they're out for revenge. So they play their revenge stick which they can only do once because you know these sticks only come so they get another dice and so forth and they keep on doing that until they can build up sufficient dice but they can only play their tropes and their sticks once or maybe twice depend depends on on what it is and the power of it because if if you if you look at movies the big scenes the the tropes that get played out usually only get played out once 
because after that they become boring and repetitive. Right. So the idea is that you build your dice pools and your choices. Do you keep some of your dice back, some of these tropes back for later in the movie? Or do you play them right away? Then you roll your dice and the director rolls their dice and everybody else rolls their dice. And instead of going blow for blow, you just figure out what happens in the scene. What is the overall outcome? And then somebody narrates it. So let's say in that particular instance, the guy um, dramatically fails against the horrible mutant monster. So the player would then start to narrate, right, the monster comes down the hallway and its mouth, its two mouths open up on either side of its heads. I can actually see my girlfriend's skull still in there looking at me you know the eye pulled out and i'm screaming no no and i raise my axe and i i, I rush towards it uh unfortunately as i rush towards it the, the the creature's chest cavity opens up and five tentacles with hooks on them come streaming out and grab me pulling me in i finally land face to face with my girlfriend in its more and she whispers to me i thought she was dead but she whispers to me come with me and the monster's <laughs> jaw claps around my head you know and that's the sort of nutso stuff that happens because what you're looking for is yeah it's that thing that makes you smile ear to ear um and once people get into that style of role play the dice pool is is incredibly important managing that dice pool is incredibly important but only so far as what do you want to achieve now the biggest the, the, the hardest thing that i find when people are playing slaughter or, or rapture it, it, it's um its ancestor is that a lot of people try hold on to their characters forever and in oh, horror yeah, that's movies that's not the way you do rapture no yeah. not rapture nor slaughter in fact slaughter is even more has even a higher casualty rate okay <laughs> so in in, in in uh in rapture i think it was the first game I, I still think it's one of the only games where you only get experience points by having your characters killed off in ghastly ways mm -hmm. and then their friends who are the cast members surround them you grab one of them you start to role play that character as the key protagonist um and that's how you and but they're tougher because you know the monster ate their friend they want to be tougher a perfect example of that in cinema is alien the first alien movie oh yeah as they were munched up one by one uh, I, I think um the ridley character doesn't actually come into the movie until about 15 minutes in really um, but by the end of the second movie, you know, she's running Mecca punching alien queen. <laughs> so she gets a bit tougher and tougher as everyone else dies. That's, that's what we're trying to simulate. Yeah. And, and I don't know older. if you, I don't know if yeah. you saw it, but, um, I think the very first ever project Greenlight, that old, uh, Matt Damon, Ben Affleck, um, a studio where they did feast, uh, which is a, I don't know if you've seen Feast, but it is an excellent movie. In fact, it has all the different character tropes in this tavern in the middle of nowhere. And one by one, they have a line and it'll freeze frame and it'll show their name and then what they are like badass hero. And then goes to the, the, yeah. the waitress and it's like seductive. I, waitress and... I haven't seen Feast. I, I have to do it. That is, it's that excellent. is slaughter in a nutshell. Yeah, it is excellent. And what's Kevin awesome. Yeah. <laughs> when everything, everything, oh, like five minutes in the movie, everything's already gone to hell. These demons come out of nowhere and start picking everybody off. And uh, a guy that looks just like Ash uh, uh, from Evil Dead comes into the tavern and says, "Everybody, stay away from the windows. You listen to me. I'm going to get out of get you out of here." And then it stops and it says, "The hero." And then all of a sudden, <laughs> he gets pulled out of the window and just blood squirts out everywhere. And then uh, a couple minutes later, there's a new hero like in the movie. Like it is. Uh, an incredible and, and bit that, of film. And and that is exactly... Uh, we, when you actually 
deconstruct horror movies. Um, in fact, many, uh, not not just horror movies, but many different types of movies. Most action movies have a similar sort of issue, but instead of the the early protagonists, the ones who the camera focuses on early to build up an attachment with, you know, they survive to the end. In horror movies, they don't. Stephen King is a master of how mm -hmm. he constructs his stories and how they get portrayed in, in, in horror. Clive Barker, um, slightly different, but the tropes are all there. The idea is that you kill your darlings. You've, and in order to do that, you have to start by showing um, genuine people that you would like to like or people that you would like to hate and you're okay with them being killed. Um, and, and, and yes, there are very, very set tropes. Um, what was, and then as they are killed off, the survivors, they come into the focus of the story. In our case, we call it, they become the protagonists. So what we do in, in uh, we, we did a pretty good job of that in Rapture, I think, but Slaughter takes that to the next, really to the next level. So in Slaughter, every trope character is a, is a movie poster card. Now, how you interpret that card, you, you basically, you, the director will say, here are the eight or however many archetypes, tropes, characters that you've got. You put them down in the middle of the table and they're face up so that you can get an idea. So you'll have, we've, we've actually had one a big bit of debate here. You've got two archetypes that are problematic in this discussion. One is the virgin and the other is the slut. Mm -hmm. And they can actually be either sex. In, sure. in, in great horror movies, they, they often switch those. But unfortunately, that language tends to give you a you know, definitely a bit of a bias there. So we've called them the pure and the vixen. Um, we might change those names. But you'd also have the jock and you'd have the hunk and you'd have the, you know, the slacker and so forth. Whatever names you give these tropes, we know what they are. So they're sitting there in the middle of the table. The director says, here's the eight that we're playing with. The characters reach out, they grab one of them, uh, sorry, the players reach out, grab one of them, and they that then, the rule is, if you touch that card first, you are that character. Okay. <laughs> so it's a bit like Snap. It's like, oh man, I've got to play the hunk. <laughs> because I want the hunk to die first. <laughs> and then you assemble a couple of other cards on the books, um, which are the Dirty Little Secrets. That's actually a card that the GM will give you. That's how the, the, the director will control the story. You grab a talent, you grab a, a flaw, you know, the alcoholic, school teacher, whatever. You bring those together and then that's it. So your card, your, your character creation is done, is accelerated just by choosing quickly card. So there's no attributes or anything like that. And as the are killed off though, because each card is a trope, which has can add to a dice pool. When the character is killed off, all those tropes get removed from the story. So the dice pools get smaller, but the tropes also get more and more impressively powerful as you go. So it, it builds up that fewer, fewer, fewer options, driving more creativity, but of course, pumping up, uh, dramatically pumping up the um, the survivability of the characters at the same time. That's 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 uh, that's slaughter in a nutshell. Oh, that's awesome. So there's there's not really a uh, because coming from the non RPG tabletop base, which. I think people, when they look at a card-based RPG like Slaughter, um, there's not really a set win condition, right? This is a true RPG in that we are getting together to tell a story, and as our win condition is have fun uh, by hook or by crook. The, the win condition is literally, do you remember the game? Do you remember the story? Right. Do you tell your friends about it? And we, we've actually put that in the That is the win. Would you tell other people about this great thing you just did? 
That's awesome. I I really like that. Um, I, I, but again, I'm a I'm a pretty diehard RPG fan. Um, I'll I'll play any RPG. Mm. Yeah, the um, the challenge with a game like this, uh, we, we took it to a to a traditional tabletop gaming convention. Um, had a very very small RPG component. Um, out of about the four thousand people that go to the to, to CanCon where we play tested this, there's only about hundred and twenty role players there upstairs out of the way. So we we went down to the main hall, took a booth, and actually play tested just with people wandering past. And uh, if you go to the um, uh, Storyweaver slash Slaughter.html page, you'll actually be directed to a, a little video there where you'll see what people were saying. And these were these were kids who'd never role played before, most of them. And their responses were really, really quite telling. Um, the majority of them, when I've never played anything like this before, they liked the fact that because it is a card game and very quickly they re- you know they do start to gamify the game a bit they very quickly realize that they're running out of options. As these uh-huh. cards are being removed from players, people are being killed. They have to start thinking about which character do they take next if they really want to make it to the end of the movie. That's the first, you know, that's sort of like the traditional tabletop game of thinking. Their win condition is to be there at the end of the game. But the real win condition is after it, they they will talk about the fact that they turned into a half-human and and uh, <laughs> or whatever it was. Yeah. Um, so I, I was very very pleased with the play tests. Uh, we've refined it a tiny bit since then, but the game is is more or less it's it's been it's been about a year of artwork basically. Oh, that's awesome! Yeah, it, uh, and the artwork looks great. So uh, please go through and check out uh, Storyweaver Games on Instagram and on Facebook and Twitter. And uh, is is it StoryweaverGames.com? Forward slash yeah, slaughter. Storyweaver.com. Oh, storyweaver.com. Just, just, yeah, storyweaver.com slash slaughter. Yeah. HTML. Um, and you got yeah, a contest going things. right now, right? We got two contests. Oh, two contests. <laughs> Not one, but two. Yeah. So we've done a deal with the London Horror Festival here. We weren't quite ready, so we asked them to to, to give us a year to get us get our shit together, as 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 we Aussies say. <laughs> Um, and so we've sponsored them this year. Um, the first competition is is broader than them, and that is basically um, you go to the the, the, the slaughter game website to you know, slaughter.html and uh, you sign up to be an early, and all that basically does is puts you on our mailing list. But it also means that you, if you start getting other people to to become members of that early adoption program, first of all, you're going to get the game. You're going to get it in digital format. So we are we are going to make sure that everyone gets uh, uh, early release of the game. Um, but also, uh, there's going to be exclusive cards. The more people that you get into that, you know, the more of your friends that you draw in, uh, you will win uh, a whole range of cards that will not be made available after that. So there will be oh, a bunch awesome. of character cards. Five character cards for the first level, a uh, bunch of hooks for the second level. These are cards that will really help the GM sort of mess with um... the other. Ca- the other competition we've got is, is more of a traditional competition. It was actually an idea that we bounced around with the London Horror Festival. They have a lot of theatre going on, so it's not just horror movies, shows, and so forth. It's actually a whole theatrical uh, presentation. It's, it's it's just I'd, I'd love to get over there. And um, a lot of people go in full makeup. You know, 
they've got professionals who go there and they've got, you know, the whole cosplay, the whole, it's just wonderful. And it's in October. So I said to them, hey, um, you get people to take selfies um, either in their horror garb or just in a horrific situation. Send them to me and I'll choose will go in the box set of the game. Um, we've had quite a few entries already and in the last week we've actually started to get some entries that are more than just people, you know, it's folks in full-on makeup, you know, the red eyes, the the the, the hair dye, the whole works. Um, oh, awesome. So that's going to be a fun. That's going to be a fun competition. And of course, they get they'll win a copy of the game, but they'll also uh, end up as movie as character cards or monster cards in the game. Oh, so awesome. uh, I'm having a ball with that. Um, you would look great. <laughs> <laughs> and so, how does somebody go about uh, entering this? Uh, so that one, that web address is www.slaughtergame.com slash selfie. Okay. And uh, is that, was that still going to be going for a little while? Uh, we're going to run that through to just after October. Okay. So I, I expect that many people will take their self on, on Halloween. Oh, sure. Because sure. that's when most people actually, you know, be dressing up. Uh, I'll have to say the very first person who entered was a guy, is another game designer. Uh, called Steve D, and he was just lying on the couch, going, Aah! you know, <laughs> looking scared, uh, and half his face was cut off uh, from sort of sort of the chin down. And I looked at it and went, oh yeah, I can do something with that. And so I took it and I put his head on a plate, like you know, some butler is serving up this this seventh <laughs> the seventh head. <laughs> now I don't know if he's going to win or anything like that, but but you know, any just pulling a face is enough to get in this in this competition. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Oh, so you you said you had some uh, some new Rapture news as well. Oh my God! Yeah. Now we're not videoing this. Are we? No, not this video. Is not on video. Okay. So look, Rapture for about two years now. Uh, about three years ago, Ray and I wrote a uh, a very sizable world book for Rapture. So you know the world building in Rapture is really really full on. Mm-hmm. But we said we wanted to focus on the Confucius system which is the first big colony. And the basic storyline that Ray has been working on well, since Rapture was really published was what does Confucius do? They're the only colony that could really get back to Earth after all of the bad stuff that's happened. They don't know what's happened. They just want to go back. So he basically started working with me on what that system would look like, what the politics would be, and it became a 144-page hardcover book. Wow. The problem... The problem is that the artwork in Rapture is really, really hard to get printed. So we, every time we've tried to get, get it done with pod, it's just been awful. And we've sent it to a couple of the printers, it's just been awful. So, so we said to ourselves, okay, given the fact that we've got this new book and we've got this you know, problem with printing, let's go back to basics. Let's go completely through Rapture. So we've now got Rapture 2.0. And I'll be honest, it's not a big change on the original Rapture. Rapture was very, very fine-tuned, but we changed a few little bits and pieces in it. We had to um, uh, we had to go into China to find a, a high printer to do this this printing for us, and we will be publishing early next year. We'll actually run it as a Kickstarter. But everything I've, I've got the box here. Um, the, It'll be a box set of Rapture hardcover, Rapture 2.0 hardcover, and this 144-page Confucius World Book. 
which has probably about two years worth of gaming in it. It's, it's, <laughs> there's a lot. There's a lot of storylines and plots that you can go through in a beautiful collector's box. Um, so that's ready to go. Um, we're now happy with the print, the the pages. You know that that really rich black page thing that we did with with the. Uh, yeah, yeah. Any game designers out there, never, 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 never try and do uh, a magazine, a black mag, goth black magazine <laughs> glossy. You know, it looks great on, a, on an iPad. It is a nightmare to get printed, I can assure you. Uh, but we've finally, we've finally done it. We've got it at a price point that will be acceptable. Um, so that labor of love from a production point of view is solved. All we need to do now is just make sure we've got people who would like to buy it to warrant the the um we have to get it printed in in china there's just no way that we can get the quality elsewhere sure. the print runs that we want um which always makes me a little bit sad when i have to do that <laughs> right <Yeah. laughs> i'd rather print local <laughs> i would as well it's just it's just not it's just not cost effective at the end of the day especially for somebody like me whose whose publishing ventures are him right like that's that's all i got is just me and, and one of my buddies and we don't have any of that material and we don't have any of the money uh yeah what, what's it what's what's interesting for this one is it hasn't been budget um that's the constraint here uh because quite frankly if you've got a product and it costs x amount to produce uh, we don't work on huge margins uh, the retail sector needs bigger margins but, but we don't work on huge margins it's quality and service For sure. and unfortunately the the print quality that you can get from china is just significantly better at, at at even at small runs than what we've been able to achieve um in other markets in australia it's just impossible in in the us it's really difficult um so we um you know, it literally stopped it, that that whole quality issue has literally ganked that product release for those two years hmm. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna put out a half. I'm not gonna put out a product with pages black and rich, and the reds are meant to be arterial. <laughs> and when you print them, they come out sort of grey and slightly sticky. You know, it's yeah. not what you want. These are collectors' items, and you know we're doing this for the love of the game, for the love. So let's do it right. <laughs> <laughs> so let me let me ask you this. I know I know for for people who are uninitiated in the Rapture universe. Um, this is a, a very hard sci-fi world or universe um, in which that we have uh, begun to colonize space. And um, there are there are asteroids, there are other systems. There is this Confucius, which is a giant space station. Um, it's basically like a giant space city. Uh, Actually, no, no, Confucius is a whole system. A whole there, s- is a, oh, sorry. there is a planet called Confucius, and... It has got about nine space stations around it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Sorry, I'm getting a little mixed up here. Um, yeah. All of a sudden, um, there's a flood of data feeds coming in, and um, the biblical rapture happens on Earth. Um, so yeah. the worthy are are, are taken uh, to God. So this is a game that that answers that question. Although your characters can choose whether or not to believe. Uh, right, that there is a higher power, and then all of this that happened is true. But uh, when you look at the game's narrative, God is very real. That means everything else is also very real, and those oh, yeah. that were worthy were taken to uh, uh, to Nirvana or whatever you would call that. Uh, so the question is, what happens to the rest of us and these demons and these evil spirits? Uh, well, they've got Earth now, but 
Are they going to be satisfied with that? And what happens? And can they spread to the rest of humanity who is now in the stars? And uh, mm. horrific scenarios unfold. Um, and it's <laughs> yeah, one of yeah. my favorite RPG systems I've ever got the chance <laughs> to play. It's so cool. Um, the yeah, when, when we developed that game, um, the the foundation of it was literally we wanted to be very very hardcore. You know be a sort of you know really really full-on hardcore science which it is with the exception of the way that we can actually light for very short periods of time <laughs> mm -hmm. the, still not too sure how that actually works but we've done a bit of hand waving on that because you need that to do spatial colonization but there was also a huge amount of attention paid to being authentic theology and so it's not the middle ages big demons running around you can play the more subtlety of, of the horror in that game, I for me, is the fact that spirits, these evil spirits, they tempt us. Yeah, it's the actually it's the corruption. The most, it's the corruption that matters here. It's the corruption. And the fact that all of the rest of civilization that's out in space does not actually know what's happened on Earth. All that they know is some, something horrible went down. They, they cannot even fathom, you know, for example, the Sino Republic just it, it does not accept that this could be a religious manifestation they believe that it's a alien invasion that tension is really really rife in the uh in, in the uh, the confucius world book you actually really get to see the politics of that play out oh, that's awesome. it's the politics of religion versus science <laughs> <laughs> now have you have you ever ran a game where you've made it back to earth <laughs> Um, the very final sections of the Confucius book is the, the, um, revelation of something called the mission, which is, um, uh, well, I'll, I'll, I'll reveal it here, but it's not a spoiler, but basically during the, the, the three years that of, of history that the, the Confucius book, well, it's really a year and a half takes place in, um, it's unveiled that the, the various governments and corporate powers have come together to create a mission back to Earth because they want to find out what's going on. And they build three humongous city-sized warships and they're going back. That's where we leave the story. <laughs> uh, I will say that there's been a lot of corruption in the Confucius system prior to the leaving of those three ships. Uh -huh. So leave on a cliffhanger. Um, the real question is what happens when you get back into that system? And yes, that is planned for another book, uh, another world book. Uh, it'll actually be almost a completely different game because at that point, you're going into a system, let's think about it, you're going into a system where you are dealing with something that is so beyond human comprehension. You're also going into a system whereby anyone who left there is by definition corrupted. They're evil. So what are you going into? You'd have no idea. And that starts to look less like a horror movie Battlestar Galactica. <laughs> and so, you know, there was a reason why we city-sized high-tech warships that break all of the rules, all of the unwritten rules of science for that, uh, the, the morality, the ethics of science. In Rapture, humans never really did a lot with cyberware because it's a bit icky. They didn't do a lot with cloning because it's a bit icky. They could do it. They just don't do it a lot. But no, when you're when your back's up against the wall, you don't know what sort of enemy you're facing, you think you've been invaded by an alien from somewhere else, 
war has a way of making science do things that it wouldn't normally do. And so you're going into that situation with war. So yeah, it's it's going to be more of a survival oh, military wow. militaristic sort of thing. And that that'll probably require a very different rule system as well. That's, you may actually find that. What you just said is is so terrifyingly accurate. Um, it kind of it brings me all the way back to, to Goebbels in, in the 40s. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, war has a way of making science do things that it normally doesn't do. Uh, that is uh, pretty profound and terrifying. Um, I can't <laughs> wait to check this out. Uh, you said you said the, the Confucius rule book is going to be available on Kickstarter early next year. Is that right? Early 2019? Yeah. So, so, so we're basically one of the mistakes that we made I suppose, you know, really honest about this is that we did the Kickstarter from the way that Kickstarter is meant to be run. You get your money and then you write the product and you put it out. But that took us about nine months longer than we expected. We had all sorts of production problems. We had delays in printing. Um, you know, it, it just was really, really stressful for everybody, including the backers. So this time around, uh, we've got everything ready to go. Um, literally, you know, I could pick up the phone tomorrow and could have these these books printed. But what we'll do, and that, but that's costly because this is a really high quality product. So what we'll do is we'll run a Kickstarter and we'll get the budget to cover the, the initial print run. And that's all it will be. It'll be a Kickstarter for a fin- effectively a finished, ready-to-go product. So as soon as people um, put their cash down, as soon as we get, get you know, that toggle flipped on, I will um, send an email to Jay and Jay will Evan, who's our printer in China, at least the one that speaks English with us, <laughs> and those books will be printed. Um, it'll probably take about three weeks to print and package because they're going to be all slipped into the sleeves and done nicely. Um, if we really do well in the Kickstarter, we're going to include a, um, uh, large-scale posters. Uh, the system maps are beautiful for this game, so there's a bunch of posters that we'd like to, to, to include. Don't really need them, but hey, you know, collectors' items—they're fun. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, so, so the key thing there is that we want to have a finished product in terms of design and art and productivity. Uh, so they're all the only risk in terms of time slipping that we will have will be in shipping and printing. And the printing is usually pretty much nailed. Shipping can be a problem. With we got caught in storms for the, <laughs> the last one. But oh. anyway, that's another issue. Things happen. Things happen. Things happen. Um, and, and, and same with Slaughter. So we want to do the same way. I want to make sure that all the cards are in place and all packaging is in place. Um, and then we will do the Kickstarter. So lessons learned. Have your product finished. Have all the hard stuff of the product finished um, so that you're only left with, with very, very small things that can slip, um, and that being mostly printing and shipping. Print quality and shipping is the, is the killer in all of this. Yeah, for sure. Oh, that's awesome, man! I can't wait to um, to play those games. Uh, Slaughter specifically, uh, again, because I, I think Slaughter, um, just from what you we've talked about on this call, um, it, it almost sounds a bit more approachable than Rapture in, in yeah, a few ways. Definitely. I've I've had some um, when I've when I've told people about Rapture, some of my more Christian friends, uh, which which I'm not very religious at all. Um, uh, but some of my more Christian friends kind of shied away from the theme. They just when you start talking about that, same they're the same people who won't watch The Exorcist, right? Because it's a little too real to them, and they're not quite ready to to talk about those kind of things. Um, uh, yeah, yes. <laughs> I can't. 
really interesting. This is what almost 10 years ago now, um, publishing the initial Rapture um, game under my own name. I was very nervous because I thought I could be attacked by fundamentalist Christians. Uh, never have been. The people who've played it, the Christians, in fact, one of my biggest fans is a very devout uh, and avid uh, um, Catholic. Um, they love it because I've treated the Bible with huge respect, and, I've, and not just the, the Bible as we currently see it, but the history of the Bible. Um, yeah, I'd agree. Not a, this is not a game. You can play it hokey, but it, it's not really designed that way. It's designed to be more event horizon. You know, it's thoughtful. Right. It's a little bit cerebral. Um, the people who did attack me with it were, uh, funnily enough, um, uh, diehard atheists. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> because they'd have read the back of the book. <laughs> And they thought that I was saying, you know, I believe in God. No, you know, in the for the sake, if you can believe that we've got faster than light travel, then you can believe in God. So you know, yeah, we we do we do the travel. We we give a reason why it works, but you know, I'm very good friends with a quantum physicist. That's what he got his doctorate in. Uh, I'm friends with genuine rocket scientists, you know. No, it's magic. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Well, I can, again, I can't wait. Slaughter is going to, I think, really, um, I think really allow me to get that system to a bigger audience locally within yeah. the small gaming community that is San Angelo, Texas, uh, because... I know a lot of people who really like horror, especially hokey peekaboo horror, as you like to call it. Uh, and that is, um, I think, going to be a lot of a lot of fun. Um, yeah, yeah. And and what's really interesting is, you know, we've done we've gone out of our way to make sure that. Uh, what I mean by that is, you'll you'll see in the card designs carefully that there's uh, gender equity across all the characters. There's also ethnic equity, and this was something that you know we're not just doing because we we want to be inclusive this is feedback that we got from the market when we were when we were looking at what people wanted they and and horror movies are wonderful at doing this if you look at horror movies there is much about how the different types of people are at heart the same when you know when faced with the the terror of death of impending doom we're all pretty much the same oh right uh, yeah and, yeah and, and so I, I love that you know so we, we've done a lot of that and and the appeal of the game is very, very strong across multiple demographics from what we've seen so far. Oh, I can't wait. So let's say let's say you get and feel free to tell me you can't answer this, right? But you get your yeah. your your print test back, everything is perfect. When could we expect a Kickstarter for Slaughter? Uh, as soon as I can. Uh, literally, I'm uh, the the Kickstarter page has been made. Um, the marketing is all pretty much done and dusted. I've even got videos that are prepared that where I dissect horror movies and relate them back to the cards and slaughter. Oh, awesome. So we've got a huge, we've got a lot of stuff that's been sitting there in the background. Uh, I'm going to wait to get the cards back. I'm going to run them at a table a few times and you'll see some videos of us playing the game. I've got videos of, of us playing the game with the, the mock-up cards, but I want to actually show people what the game is genuinely going to be. As soon as that's ready, um, which would probably be about three weeks after I received the cards. I'm expecting them in anywhere from five to seven weeks. We'll go to Kickstarter. Um, the other part, I actually, that's not quite true. If we don't get a good mailing list generated, I've got about 50, maybe 500 people on our mailing list. 
I'd like that about double. So if we don't have a good pre-launch mailing list, then the chance of a Kickstarter being successful is much, much less. So um, uh, get on that early program. You'll at least get early you know, PDFs of the game and you'll see what's happening and engage that way. Uh, I don't spam people in our mailing list, but I will be sending you Kickstarters here. <laughs> Go get it. <laughs> um, and the other thing with that early starter program is that as long as we do the Kickstarter, even if you don't buy the game, you're still going to get those bonus cards. That's a that's a, a guaranteed, you know, this is for, for sharing the love. We will we will send you those cards, um, little collectible cards. So um, that would be the only thing that would not getting that mailing list up to size would be, probably be my biggest challenge right now as a as a game developer. Hmm. I mean, everything else is just let's let's get the print runs in. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's awesome. Um... All right. the, do you guys have a price point already? That what what is the uh, what is the entry here to to get slaughter? Okay, um, we're still finalizing that. I think. I think um, that will be a box set consisting of the starter deck. Which, uh, um, I think it's going to be just a little under three hundred cards. But the, in the starter deck, you get a base set of cards that gives you everything to make a horror movie. It's one for what we call surviving the horde. That's, and by zombie movies, it could be you know your survival horror classic, Resident Evil, all the way through to arachnophobia. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. Or <laughs> Aliens. Aliens was actually a zombie movie. Yeah. Uh, surviving the horde movie, and then also the other classic one, which is a slasher movie. Um, now, after that, we've also got heaps, and uh, I think there's about nine or ten additional decks of cards going out. Oh, sorry. Some of the early backers who who are, who are getting in at the moment, they're still going to get a special deck of cards called Bloodbath Barbecue, which is an Australian themed <laughs> outback horror. Oh, that sounds awesome! <laughs> it it doesn't involve it doesn't uh, American military military crash plane carrying <laughs> some sort of weird DNA goop. Um, so that that's a bone. That's another little thing that we're putting in for people who who back early, uh, who backing this early, but. That would be the box set plus the you know the bonus cards that people get. But then there'll be these other decks. One of them is um, uh, you know sort of like the Cthulhu Mythos sort of deck of cards if you want to play that type of movie. Sure. Uh, the whole idea of this is that you you get these themed decks of cards and then you can mix and match them. So if you want to do something like uh, you know a werewolf apocalypse, well then you take a sort of things man was not meant to know sort of issue or maybe even a slasher and you mix it with your, your zombie deck and uh bingo you've got a new crossover horror movie oh that's awesome are there any tropes for like a um a invasion of the body snatcher slash faculty Absolutely. type okay we've got a whole deck of cards for that one called um invisible invasion okay great Absolutely. yep and 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 that that deck is actually really uh because um what we've discovered with that particular game is it works better when there's fewer players because if you think yeah, about okay. it a slasher movie you have a body counts a number of people who can play through to the end uh survival horror absolutely the same uh, but the mythos and the paranoia oriented movies genres usually have a protagonist who survives to the very end and then they die horribly right. <laughs> <laughs> right. so you know we've had to we have to mimic we have to balance that type of movie structure and the tropes with you know, how does it actually play as a group of people 
So those things are also listed on. So, um, oh, great. The rules are also on the cards as well. That's the other thing. So we do have a rule book, but if we need to slip in and out a different rule for a different style of game, we do so. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. The, if you guys check out uh, story weavers, uh, YouTube channel, um, there is, uh, a cool 360 video of Joe playing this with some people, uh, and they have a blast. Um, I haven't finished it yet, but I watched a good 20 minutes of it, and it was uh, looked awesome. We we don't actually play the game; we just introduce it. But we do have a zombie, a zombie. Oh, okay. Uh, oh, I actually thought you played a little bit. Oh, maybe I did. Maybe that is up there. We did play a little. We sort of demo it. It was more just the introduction. I see. I see. Okay. Um, okay. So okay. Yeah. I, I guess I didn't miss much then for not finishing the video. <laughs> <laughs> There's more coming up. There's a lot. So much. All right. Well, it is, you know, it is, it's Halloween. It's, um, you know, one of the best times ever to watch horror. And, uh, you are, uh, one of my favorite people to talk horror with because you're so passionate about, uh, the genre, whether it's, whether it's, uh, written works or, or, or movies, um, or even games, right. Uh, you, you kind of have your, um, your love for that uh, for that genre all over the place. So, what are some of your favorite, more recent horror movies that have come out that you really liked? Oh, look, we've had such a good couple of horror movies come. Out. Um, Annihilation, I think, is best, uh, most subtle horror movies to come out in a long time. You know um, what's funny? It's, it's funny that you said that. Yeah. When I watched Annihilation after I finished it, the first person I thought of was you. Um, yeah, it's it's such a Joe Sweeney sort of in your head guy yeah. story. Because afterwards, I looked over at my wife and she's like, "Wait, does that mean?" Yeah, you know, I won't I won't spoil it for anybody who hasn't seen it because it is a really fantastic movie, um, and it features uh, the the bear. I'll just say the bear is one of the coolest the movie bear. monsters oh, ever. Oh, and the intestine scene. Yeah. Oh my god, so good, <laughs> freaking amazing. But but at the same time, a beautiful. And yeah. um, I would use the word awe for that movie in, in the really classic sense. It's a fear of such sublime um, impact that it becomes beautiful, that we see it as a form of beauty. Um, that's getting the philosophical. Um, another horror movie I really enjoyed, <laughs> actually, I'll have to say a terrible horror movie, but I enjoyed it tremendously, was Ghost Train. Um, and it's a Thai movie, uh, and it is... It is just so bad. It is wonderful. Ghost um, Train? Ghost Train, yeah. Um, it's about... Um, oh, I'm sorry, not Ghost Train. Uh, my mistake. Train of the Dead. Ah, oh, getting it mixed up. Is that the train same, of the Dead. Is that the same thing as uh, Train to Busan? No. Okay. Uh, train to Busan is, is, is a masterpiece of zombie. It is the... In fact, it was really interesting. I was re-watching that just like... Uh, with with the with the deck of cards with the trope cards for for slaughter in front of me, oh. picking out the trope cards as they were playing it, and we got through the whole deck. It was wonderful. Oh, that's awesome! It is such a it's such a well balanced movie, beautifully constructed. Amazing, yeah. Um, so so what is uh, Train of the yeah. Dead? So Train of the Dead. How would I describe this? Um, it's it's tragic, um, <laughs> but basically it's a Thai horror movie. Uh, for some reason, it starts with a motocross scene. Um, young motocross guy goes home uh, then cuts to a bank robbery scene gone wrong uh, they crash their car into this poor Thai guy's house and then they kidnap him and they take him into a train 
and uh, on the I don't know why they're on a train, but suddenly they're walking through these massive mansions that are on the train, and they have no clue that they're walking through these mansions. It's just, it's just nuts. The final scene of this movie has to be watched to be believed. It was it's. I have no idea what they were smoking when they made this thing, but it, <laughs> it was just atrocious. So is this is this um, on any streaming service or anything like that that we can watch? Uh, I actually watched it. I did watch it on Australian Netflix. Um, Australian Netflix. If you're okay. if you're in, if you're interested in in um, hunting down horror movies, it's actually a lot of fun to go and look at some of these international horror movies that stream on different geographies of Netflix. Um, I would have to say that the, the Koreans are making some of the best horror movies out there at the moment. I agree. Um, uh, the, 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 was it The Bunker? Oh, um, they, they've got a few of them out there. I love, I love the I, host. I, 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 oh, well, the host. Yeah, the host, is, the host is a brilliant commentary on, yeah. on you know, just family life. I know, general. it's so good. It is so good. Um, but do try and find one. There was one, I think it was Bunker, and it's set... It's an investigation into a murder, into an incident at a you know a demilitarized zone. They've got bunkers, and it is one of the most brutally smart horror movies I've seen. It's a little bit old now, but it's 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 great. Um, other recent horror movies. Um, hmm. Um, Predestination. I'm going to call out because I think it's a brilliant movie, but it's not really a horror movie in the traditional sense. It's just very uncomfortable. Mm. It's more of a sci-fi sort of, you know, very, it feels very uh, Philip K. dick um, <laughs> So what, what do you, I'm going to flip the question on you. What is some of your favorite horror? Oh, geez. I've watched, I've actually, I don't know if I've watched anything recent, I think. Um, but I have gone back. My A friend of mine um, uh, lent me his VRV account. And uh, which, because oh, yeah. I, I wanted to catch up on Naruto Shippuden, uh, because I'm I'm <laughs> I'm 34 and just decided to like anime uh, for the first time in my life, and so um, I can I, give you an education on that too. <laughs> uh, oh, that'd be, that'd be great. Um, when I when I logged into his account, I noticed that he had access to Shutter, um, and oh, right. it's, I guess it's just part of the VRV service. He paid 10 bucks a month, and you get all these different. You get Crackle and not Crackle, excuse me, Crunchyroll and Funimation mm-hmm. and Shutter for some reason. Uh, so and Shutter is a great service. Uh, so we watched um, uh, the last driving with Joe Bob Riggs, and he has a thirteen movie marathon on Shutter, um, starting with um, Sleepaway Camp and uh, oh, no. Reanimator and uh, some yes. of, some of the real classics, um, Basket Case. Uh, so we watched. Oh, I reviewed that a little. I reviewed that last month, actually. Oh, that's awesome! Yeah, so we we watched all thirteen of those movies, and uh, since then I've watched a horror movie a night basically for the last month. Um, I just put it on before I'm going to bed, and I'll just watch it. And uh, some of them are actually some of them actually had to stop. Um, the The first Hell House LLC, uh, which is available on Shutter, it is a found footage horror movie, which is. It's it's a bit played out of, of that that particular genre, but the way that this worked, they basically are making a uh, a haunt, right, a, a Halloween attraction that people can come to, uh, and it turns out that the place that they're setting up happens to be haunted uh, by some strange oh, no. <laughs> strange satanic force, and the way that it all cuts together, it's actually really really unnerving. Um, 
when it all played and done. They made a sequel that just came out. It's also on Shutter, um, Hell House LLC two, back again in the same hotel uh, when they're trying to investigate <laughs> the events that happened. Right. So there's a documentary queue now coming in. Um, and there's documentary queue from the first week. I actually played a call to Casino, and it was referencing the previous year's combat I played in. <laughs> so I had to interview my own character in the previous year masterful oh, that's, that's awesome <laughs> yeah yeah it's it's i, I you know <laughs> basket case oh my god um i'll have to say though one of the most underrated horror movies that i do go back and watch occasionally is uh the fly 2 the the sequel to the cronenberg version of the fly um i understand why people don't like it but actually it's a really well-constructed horror movie it's just i don't think not I've as good as the original Watch it. Uh, so it's the son of the fly. <laughs> okay. Uh, is this is this post uh, Gina Davis having the baby or does she even? Yes. She... Okay. Yes. She has the baby and dies. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> really subtle guys. Right. <laughs> um, but uh, as a horror movie just on its own, it, it's actually pretty well constructed. Um, you know, I, I do look at horror movies and their construction and the scripting and the acting and so forth. Um, there are movies like um, Train of the Dead that are just so incredibly all over the place that they're enjoyable because of the lack of all of that skill. Right. Uh, to be careful, I'm sounding like I'm beating up on it, but yeah, it's a tragically bad movie, but it's enjoyable because of it. And then you've got movies like The Fly 2, which are just really well put together, but they can't match up to all their source material. Sure. Because Cronenberg's The Fly is brilliant. It is just brilliant on so many levels. Right. Uh, like The Thing you can't remake the thing they didn't even try they made a prequel that but it'll never match that it'll just it's just ah. um that said the john carpenter's the thing and cronenberg's the fly were remakes that were vastly superior to their original source material so That's right maybe yep. i shouldn't generally watch. yeah yeah i saw i posted the the trailer for pet cemetery or i maybe i just commented <laughs> on it um, and when I was when I was a kid, Pet Cemetery wouldn't maybe one of the first unintentional horror movies I ever saw. I think I walked in and my older siblings were watching it and my mom and I just kind of sat down and um, I remember the scene. Uh, spoiler alert for those of you who haven't read this book that's from a long time ago or saw the movie from 90, 91 or 89 or whatever it came out um, when Gage gets hit. Um, by the by the Bullshit. semi and and you see the shoe That's bouncing it. on the road uh, I just remember it was the first time I ever saw a child hurt in a movie before like uh, it was so rare at the time so um, when the cement when the new trailer hit and uh, they they get to the house and uh, like yeah we got this property and they can't wait to start doing this and all of a sudden the semi from right behind us raw is so loud and just jars the whole family and anybody who's and I think that's a nod to anybody who's not only the foreshadowing to what's to come, but a nod to anybody who's seen the original and you know what's gonna happen because of that. Yeah. Very I, powerful. I I actually remember watching I I rate the original Pet Cemetery as the the movie that most scared me genuinely. And again, I talking about that. And the reason for it is what you've said. And, and here's, here's the difference. This is the difference between that deep, visceral fear and the peekaboo. Uh-huh. The monster in that movie is the road. It's not the track. It's the road. The foreboding road. Yeah. 
because at one level you're saying, oh, this is dangerous, but this is such a casual danger. It's so real because we know that this is there and we know that this happened. And so when the child is, is killed and the breakdown of the family and all the stuff that comes from that, that mm -hmm. is true visceral horror that gets right down there low in the brain. Um, the only other movie that's ever affected me to that extent with that I am upset genuinely and I can't, you know, traumatized by this. <laughs> the only other one is actually the original uh, Spanish version of Wreck. Um, okay. That's another found footage movie. But there's a scene at the opening of that, very early on in that movie, where everything goes to hell. Now, I've been in situations where everything's gone to hell. And it does go down like that. And what was different about Wreck is they, they accelerated that awful situation uh, that violence that's usually quite explosive, they accelerate it in a very realistic manner. And I think anyone who's been, uh, you know, in accident sites or whatever would recognize that. And it, it, the acting was superb as well. But it, it's this, this ability of some movies to not need the splatter and the gore and the visceralness, but to still have that deep seated sense of horror, uh, that deep seated fear. That's what they activate in us. And right. Pet Cemetery. Oh, I mean, Stephen King is a master of that. That's what makes him. It is just full of that as well. It, uh -huh. Not my favorite Stephen King, but I get why people like it. <laughs> Did you enjoy the remake? Um, I want to go back and rewatch it. To be honest, I think I, I think something didn't land right on me when I watched it. Um, it's well made, but it, and it's probably better made than the than the the first movie. Um, maybe it's because I just don't really sync with. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you've got preferences. Yeah. Um, but yeah, look, I get why people in that. It, it, Stephen King writes villains. He writes tragic, <clears throat> tragic victims, and he writes villains perfectly well. Yeah, he's that's just, right. He's brilliant. Yeah, there's yeah. not a. I can't think of a movie where there's a. Uh, no, I can. Um, I was going to say, I couldn't think of a real Stephen King movie who had a very strong hero where you really wanted to see them win and you were kind of behind them. But there, there are a couple out there. Um, I was just, just... Let's not talk about the Langoliers, though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was just going to mention The Mist. Uh, the, um, oh, yeah. the, the, the Tom Jane... Um, was it Frank Darabont did The Mist? And uh, the ending of that movie is is probably oh, my favorite ending of any horror movie that's been made in the last 10 or 15 years. I thought it was so unbelievably soul crushing and, and just, it hurt me. Like it, that was a movie that I wasn't the same after watching it. I, I love that ending. Mind you, you see, I, you know, I like my, my French and Russian <laughs> stories. Sure. So sure. 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 <laughs> that tragic, that tragic ending is just, you know, part of the course for being a, yeah, being Russian. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I, I know that a lot of people really didn't like it. I loved it. I loved because, it. Because, yeah, it, it was it was appropriate. It was very Shakespearean it, it, or operatic. You know, it has to end in tragedy. Um, and, and yeah, fantastic. Um, up there with, I think it was up there with, um, uh, what's the Bruce Willis movie? Um, oh, my God, I can't remember. The Sixth Sense? Uh, Sixth Sense. Sorry, yeah, Sixth Sense up there with that and in terms of just unease that it leaves you with yeah yeah uh i mean just there's there's a moment when i'm trying not to say so if, if you guys haven't watched the mist 
and you're looking for a good horror movie, it's it's a very solid monster movie <laughs> slash weird culty paranoia for the first uh, I don't know seventy five minutes, and then it just it takes a, a turn to absolute despair, and that's littered throughout the whole movie. But when you if you watch it and you haven't seen it, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. But there's a moment when everything goes down where the son is sleeping and wakes up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just, just the look in his eyes when he realizes what's to come, and it's, it is, it's, it's just a, it's maybe a tenth of a frame. That's all you get, and it's just, it just Perfectly. cripples me. Perfect, perfectly. Oh. Yeah, I mean, there are a couple of horror movies that really, a couple of horror movie scenes that 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 are just really well constructed, really well timed. Um, I think that some of the scenes in Alien and the first Alien were of that, and not necessarily the scenes that people think. I think the scene with the computer and she's finding the information from Mother, the computer, that's a very tense scene because it's that realisation that... The company is... You you, you, you have been food. Yeah. You, you've just been used. Yeah. <laughs> and then the robot comes in, and then that's a... Uh, you know, there, there's a couple of really, really good. I remember watching that as a teenager. Oh my god! Um, that, the that, pig head at the window in Amityville Horror is another one for me. Oh yeah, that oh, demon man. head. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's so many good. good. That's that's what I, I love about that genre so much. Not only I was having this conversation with my friend Randall, who is a who is a hardcore movie buff. He loves. He's he's his. He doesn't really like horror too much, though. We were talking movies, and he said, if you had to pick one film genre and that's all you could watch uh, forever, what would it be? And I said, to me, it'd be easily horror because it's such a large umbrella um, of the types of movies. I I can't think of another genre that has so many different types of movies that fall within it. There are horror movies that are absolutely hysterical, um, like Cabin in the Woods and uh, Tucker and Dale versus Evil. Uh, And then you have movies that absolutely... You need to take a, a shower afterwards because you feel disgusting. And then movies where you can't sleep with the lights off. You know, there's so so many excellent stories in there. I think what I like about the horror movie genre, and it's the same reason sci-fi. I'd have to say if I had to choose sci-fi horror. <laughs> <laughs> um, as you can probably tell from the, the type of game. But um, the... Both of those, and I don't actually think that genre and um, horror and sci-fi are genres. I think that they are plat. Well, I'd call it a platform. Okay. Because both of them spend more of their effort talking about what does it mean to be human. When you when you peel across everything, most horror movies are an examination of what it really means to be human when the shit goes down. Because mm-hmm. that's how you find out what people really are. It's when they're put in situations where their existence is threatened. In some cases, their immortal existence. What turns good people bad? What is bad? You know. And I think horror does a fantastic job of exploring that. Sci-fi does the exact same thing, but on a different level. What does our environment, how does our environment change us? How do our moral um, views of the world change when things are taken away from us or given to us? Um, so if you look at Star Trek, you know, it's basically Marxism. It's pure Marxism. Um, but can we be better with that? 
Right. That, that's part of the exploration. What does it mean to be good in a utopian society like that? What makes you the hero when you've got infinite tech? Uh, um, Greg Egan, one of my favourite sci-fi writers, his questions are, we've got wonderful things that could cure AIDS or whatever. These are, you know, he's a real hardcore scientist. How will we fuck it up? That's his question. <laughs> Um, yeah. And so, you know, horror is is very so. So they're 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 being coined. One is the promise of a greater future, and the other one is <laughs> you got no future at all, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. Oh, oh um, man, Joe, I tell you what, man, I could let's let's set the next meeting uh, to be not three years from now. Uh, because I could sure. talk to you, especially about these subjects, uh, literally all night. But for the sake of your time, man, I know it's been just about an hour. Uh, that's how we like to keep these things. Mm-hmm. So thank you so much for joining us again. Our first ever repeat guest on the show. I'm the repeat. I'm the sequel. You're the sequel. You are <laughs> literally. I would say you're not the Exorcist two, but you are the Exorcist three because it is uh, pretty good. <laughs> okay, my head's gonna spin with that one. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and uh, as always, we like to leave it uh, off to you to say some final words to our audience. Do you have any any words of wisdom from from Doc Joe Sweeney at Storyweaver? Ah, oh, you want real words of wisdom? Whatever you want to say. Read to your children from the age of zero to seven. Oh. If you want to have great kids who succeed in life, outside of feeding them, putting a roof over their heads, and loving them, reading books to them. Don't give them iPads. Read books to them. Now, the reason I'm saying that is imagination and creativity are directly correlated to how much reading a child has had in their early years, and that's directly related to what they're going to have in the future. So, you know, if you prefer that Star Trek, uh, maybe not Marxism, but if you prefer that sort of bright, shiny future rather than the horror, we need more kids that are, that are reading. And uh, that is my doctrine, so there we go. <laughs> yeah, I, I would echo that. We need, we need far less uh, mumble rappers and more Dungeons and Dragon players. Or maybe you yes. can create a uh, Dungeons and Dragons class that is a mumble rapper bard. I don't know. You can bring your hobbies into it's my been, hobby. I'm sure it's being I'm sure it's being done. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the first ever bard who does auto tune, uh, I think, has probably been done already. But <laughs> oh, no, please. <laughs> Everyone, thank you so much. Yeah, I'd I always enjoy talking with you, buddy. Good luck. Uh, please let us know uh, all the updates about Slaughter and uh, the new Rapture launch uh, when that's happened. We'll be sure to plug those all over the channel uh, when it happens. Thank you. You're a good man. Catch you later. Uh, I try. Uh, thank you, everybody, for uh, listening to another episode of Let's Level Up. I always appreciate you, and I certainly hope you're enjoying the new content. Um, if you will, if you haven't already, we are hosting a contest of our own. Go to letslevelup.net. Check out our Halloween Halloween game giveaway. Uh, and there you can, there's a quick little form you can fill out. I think if you subscribe to us on, uh, on Twitch and on YouTube, that will automatically give you two entries in there, and then you can ask, add yourself to our mailing list as well and we will um give you a chance to win a copy of bloodsuckers which is an out of print zombie excuse me vampire versus slayers board game by fireside games so uh thanks a lot i appreciate you as always and until next time game on 